Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. We have an action-packed episode today. Very excited to get into all of it as we preview Buccaneers versus Jaguars. A very highly touted matchup where at the beginning of the season when you saw that, you may not have thought so, but we got um, a lot of great stuff to get into. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is Bailey Adams on today's show. We're also going to have Gus Logue, who is a uh, Jaguars beat writer for SB Nation at Big Cat Country. He's going to join us in about half an hour to further preview uh, Bucks vs. Jags. And we have even more to the Devin White saga. And of course, we'll hear from Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield as well. Bailey, thank you so much for joining the show. How you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well. Hopefully this might be the end of the Devin White saga, at least for now, now that he's spoken and gotten his side of everything. So, uh, yeah, a lot to get into there. I think we're definitely um, closing. We're ending a chapter, but we're going to start a new chapter quite, quite soon because some of the answers that we got from Bowles today – um, and some of the answers from Devin White as well. And I, and I do want to give credit to Devin because he could have easily just been like, screw it, I'm not talking to them. I'm just yeah. going to keep posting cryptic messages on my Insta story. <laughs> uh, but no, he did. It took a little nudging from the Bucks PR staff, but he did um, eventually talk to us, which I think was super important. And I think the biggest question mark now, Bailey, is – we don't know who's going to be starting at inside linebacker because Bull said one thing about rotating guys. Devin said he's fine with rotating, but also that that doesn't indicate everything that went down on, on, on Sunday. Uh, what, what do you make of all of this? I, I still don't even really know. I know there, I'm glad at least we have Devin's side of it. And it's funny that you mentioned that he needed some nudging to to talk to the media because I wasn't there today. So I kind of was just like, oh, like that's actually kind of give, give him props yeah. for, for speaking to the media. I still give him props, but it's funny that, that that's how it went down. Um, I don't know. Because Todd said today that it's he's a full go is what he said. And, you know, Devin said feeling better was what, what he said about his foot. It's just none of this has ever felt like it's been about the foot. And I know maybe yeah. maybe when you get down <laughs> to it, that's that's the basis of it. But there's been there's been so much to to talk about here at the same time we're just we're hearing different things like we're hearing one thing they're saying other things todd's version of events on monday didn't really line up i don't really know how much like that lined up with what was said today and all of it has kind of just come to the point where it's like all right you know some people are saying some things devin's saying another thing todd's saying another thing and we'll see what happens on sunday i'm glad that you brought up the foot thing because Devin was the last person to come out for practice today. The part of practice that's open to the media session. Um, I am very sure that that was specifically by design. I do not think it was by coincidence. And I was joking with a couple of the media guys out there because every, everyone was waiting for Devin. That was the biggest story. Yes, we want to know about Will Golston, who didn't play last game, and Carlton Davis, absolutely. But everyone knew the story was Devin. So, about halfway through, I was like, oh, wow, that, that, that foot must really be bothering him. And it is kind of funny that um, that is the <laughs> that is the the premise of this entire thing. Um, I, I do want to get to some video, even though Bowles first spoke first. I think it's more important that 
we hear from Devin because he answered um, a number of different things. I'll play the two most important videos. Um, the second video is probably the most important, but the first one kind of clarifies a little bit more of the timeline and how his foot is feeling and all that stuff. So let's just get to these two videos that probably paint the biggest picture of the story. Um, I don't know. Uh... Yeah, that's the wrong video. Let's go to this one. <laughs> I'm feeling better. Uh, for this week, uh, I mean, just so far, we've just been trying to get me back on the field, uh, just get me comfortable. And, you know, right now we haven't pretty much talked about it. The game plan just went in. So, I mean, I'm just going to do whatever, you know, as far as to that day come. But today was a walkthrough, so we didn't really, you know, get out there to see how I felt or anything. So, just right now, not yet, but. Uh, but when he do, or if he do, yeah, I'm gonna just do whatever I gotta do. Yeah, how did that sit with you last week, though? When you told you KJ was gonna start in the year, okay. Oh, uh, it didn't sit no way with me. Uh, KJ's been playing well all year uh, since I've been out, and I mean, I'm proud of him. That's what we do. That's what he got drafted here to do is to be a great player that can step in for me and Levante, and uh, he did just that. Uh, so, man, just like I was supporting him when I wasn't playing, if I did play, I was gonna support him. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, just like he do me. You know, we got a real great relationship. Uh, everybody in our linebacker room does. And, I mean, it's never going to be no, you know, you know, bumping heads about nothing like that. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about winning. Is it all about winning, though? Uh, I got to give a shout-out to Zach Blobner because, uh, you know, he's on J&Z, and he's talking. He's like, well, Devin White requested a trade before the season began. <laughs> so was it about winning then? Uh, so I, I thought that was a, a, a great little nugget from – from Zach Block. This next video, I think, is the most important one, though, because Devin gets the opportunity to clarify things of how he feels he is being misperceived. And I think that kind of goes into the cryptic Insta story that um, was talked about yesterday. Yeah. About reporting. Is there anything you want to just really clear up? Yeah, I mean, I've just been saying a lot of stuff saying, like, you know, I quit on my team and I mean, I don't understand how I could do that when it was a personal, like, from me and Coach Bo's decision to sit down and rest to be able to help my team. And even when I haven't been playing, I've been in the building. You know, I've been out there uh, just supporting them, even taking notes, preparing as I, if I was going to play just in case they had any questions or if I seen some, I can relay it to those guys and, you know, help put them in a better position. So I think that's the biggest thing that didn't set well with me because, I mean, I never quit on my team. And I love this game so much. I love competing so much. So I think out of everything, that, that just didn't sit well with me. So you and Bowles are fine and you're all, you're all, you're all in? Uh, me and Bowles never had a problem uh, since I got drafted. Um, like I say, he's the father figure to me, and I say on the field and off the field. Uh, a lot of people know what I went through uh, losing my real dad, and he's been one of the guys that always stepped up, always check on me, uh, make sure around the holidays, you know, to make sure that I'm good. And, you know, I don't think it'll ever be a problem. And he knows, like, he one of the best coaches I ever played for. Got a fun defense to play in. And, uh, you know, you can tell he looked out for me by, hey, making me get myself healthy, and that's what we're trying to do right now. Hold those things, yeah. you know, including myself in that. Why that is, why, why there's misinformation that comes out of this building? I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. I can only speak from what I know and what I went through and what I personally uh, deal with. You know, I don't know. I know I don't have to tell no lies. And, 
it is what it is. You know, everybody, I don't know, somebody might want to give you something to talk about to make the Bucks be talked about. But I don't know. Baker went crazy last week, and we talking about Devin White. I don't think I shouldn't have even been mentioned in a game where I didn't play, didn't contribute none, but besides being the biggest cheerleader that I could be in Green Bay. So other than that, I don't know, man. But kudos to it. I face everything head on. And I mean, it's just another stepping stone in my journey that I'm willing to face. And the story gonna be great in the end. So make sure they give you more information in the end when I'm on the right side of it. <laughs> A lot of stuff to break down there from Devin White Bailey. Uh, let's start off with just: Do you believe what he was saying? Um, whether it is just his conversations with Todd Bowles, I, I do think that he views Todd Bowles as he as he kind of said it, but yeah. everything else and the fact that he, <laughs> that he referred to himself in the third person, I just thought was, was fantastic. Uh, what do you think about what, what Devin had to say? Yes. Yeah, so I think the, the one thing that it seems like him and Todd have kind of danced around a little bit, even, even in that clip was whether he, they had conversations about him, him and KJ rotating. Cause even he said, Oh, like we, this week we've kind of just been focusing on getting me healthy and getting back on the field. Like, well, at some point last week, it yeah. seemed like the plan was for for him to play. So, and I, I think what kind of what I, f- I found weird about the the last part is where he did kind of get a chance to clear things up. And I do believe him to an extent, but this is all coming from somewhere, right? This isn't something that people have just manufactured and and made up. Like we're not in the business of doing that. And yeah. you know, you've got people talking about this all over the place. And, you know, from from Scott's reporting, from Rick Stroud's reporting, and you know, you saw on a couple of days ago Richard Sherman, who had been in that locker room and mm-hmm. he knows some guys on the team, knows the coaching staff, all that. He's saying like what he heard. So this is all coming from somewhere, and I, I don't know where exactly you know Devin falls in in all of that. And I think that there's a lot of a lot of the things he said is stuff that he believes is his, his version of events. I don't think he's blatantly lying about some things, but it, it is. And actually, one thing I do, I do agree with him about the whole coming out of that, that game, you know, him being the main focus or being one of the big focuses is a little strange because of the, of the way the game went and the f- fact that they're in the middle of a three game winning streak. But it's, sorry, I'm just rambling here. But no, going yeah. back to going back to even I think was it Monday with Todd Bowles? This feels like almost or not an exact carbon copy repeat of what happened with the Chris Godwin thing, but it feels like Todd Bowles' initial answers turned this into a bigger thing than it had to be. I think, you know, it was again probably him protecting the player, which is what he, I think yeah. he was trying to do with Chris Godwin, but he kind of misspoke or just kind of threw out something that he wasn't, that didn't really know was a valid reason for the whole target share, all that stuff. So I think it was kind of that where he's just trying to protect Devin White and he wants it to go away. But when there's stuff coming out before the game on Sunday that he's not playing and it's not injury related, that's going to be something that you kind of have to clarify a little bit more than I think he did. And so that's why it's turned into this big thing. And I think at this point in the week, now that Devin has spoken, it's kind of pick your side. Who do you believe? And we'll see how it all plays out You know, down the stretch here. And most likely it's still going to end with him not in the Bucks uniform next year. So. It's almost right, like, yeah, what that, are, that what are you is doing over here. That is the last um, chapter, which yeah. is true. And yeah, it does feel like it kind of comes down to while Todd Bowles does protect and defend Devin White, I don't know how many other, for lack of a better term, allies he has in the building. Because is Richard Sherman just flat out making something up? I mean, he is on Fox now with Skip Bayless, and <laughs> you know, everyone has their opinion about Skip Bayless and things yeah. of that matter. 
But I don't think Richard Sherman has ever been in the game of like, I'm just going to make up stuff for ratings and views. Like right. Richard Sherman can just talk in front of a microphone. I mean, we all saw his interview with Aaron Andrews uh, <laughs> after he tipped the pass that led to the interception against the 49ers. And he called yeah. Michael Crabtree a sorry receiver. Like <laughs> Richard Sherman can captivate an audience um, on his own. So someone is leaking it. And I don't think they're leaking it um, for no reason, you know, Um and then to the other part, I do agree with you and and Devin White about the story shouldn't be about Devin. It should be about Baker Mayfield playing awesome, and we will talk about Baker Mayfield. But the way that this has all been handled, it makes it a bigger story and a distraction. Devin included with the stupid cryptic tweets or Insta story and all that stuff. Yeah. Todd Bowles is just a bad liar. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> and if Devin did um you know say that he's not good to go because of everything that uh went on with being told that KJ Britton was going to be the starter well that's on Devin and that's why it is a big story and you're a superstar player whether or not you play up to that caliber or not you're a team captain and you've been a huge story since the beginning of the season which you put on yourself not just from requesting a trade but also again going on Instagram commenting on the Eagles Instagram and commenting on this and oh man that would be so great so Devin can say like I don't get why the story's not about me but there's many times that he's made the story um, about himself but we got a five dollar super chat to get to so thank you to Bucks Basement who says uh, someone needs to tell Mr. Main character that if he wants to be a main character he should get some upgrades so he won't get juked out by Gardner Minshew and that's the other side of it too is Devin hasn't played well which has opened the door for someone like KJ Britt to come in and play adequately, you know, okay. And um, we wouldn't be having this conversation if, if Devin was the Devin White of 2020 and 2021. But that hasn't been the case. And then when he creates more headaches, that's why we are where we are um, back to square one. That's a really good point. I mean, it, it, if he was if he was playing at the level he was playing at down the stretch in 2020 when he was at his best early in his career – this would not be a, a giant, you know, giant talking point. And I think a lot of it does go back to the start where I think he hadn't, he hasn't played well enough to earn the money he thinks he, he deserved before this season. He hasn't done anything this season to now go out and say, yeah, I, I've made my case here. Pay me the money that I want. He hasn't done any of that. He hasn't been himself. He hasn't. And I think a lot of it this year, maybe yeah. part of it this year has been some injuries. He's been banged up a couple of times, but yeah. I think it's just, it, a lot of it has been brought up and he can say as much as he wants. Like, I don't know why y'all are talking about me so much, but like you, yeah. Like you, like you just said, he is the catalyst of a lot of this go dating all the way back. So when there's something like this coming up where, you know, Oh, he's not, it's not injury related. He's not playing. Then, then it's going to be okay. Well now add two and two together. And there's a situation here. And now you got to, you have to ask about it. You have to ask Todd Bowles. You have to ask him about it when you get the chance. And yeah. it does become a story and it, it's just, it's unfortunate that it's in the middle of a three-game winning streak. This is the kind of stuff you expect when they would have lost like six out of seven. Yeah, not exactly. In the middle of a three-game winning streak. So, Yeah, why wasn't he causing an issue then? Because then it would be like, <laughs> oh, Devin White pissed off. They're not winning. Like, tries to spark a change. But no, yeah. it, it comes now when the team has won three in a row. Um, let's hear from Todd Bowles' side of things. Um, he obviously had a couple of different responses. There was one very comical one where he got asked – from uh, Sarah Walsh, who's obviously a reporter from the NFL Network that is not in the Bucks media room every day. So she kind of asked again about the timeline of everything. And he was like, 
I'm going to answer this one last time. So that was pretty funny. Let's start with that one, and uh, we'll, we'll get to him confirming that Devin's a go, allegedly. Sunday, him being deactivated, like just the clarity on how that should be explained or what happened on Sunday that changed things in terms of that process. Okay, I'm going to say this one time. He was medically cleared to play. Then he indicated that he didn't feel right and informed me that he couldn't play, he couldn't go. We had ongoing conversations till Sunday morning. And when I decided to deactivate him, when he got to the stadium, he found out he was inactive. See, if if Bull said that on Monday, right. it would have cleared up a lot more. But the last thing that, again, is kind of confusing is that he says, then on Sunday, he told me he couldn't go. But then he didn't find out that he was inactive until I designated him as out once he got to the stadium. Right. And the whole thing that like, oh, we had these conversations until Sunday, like, cool, if you would have said that on Monday, I'd been great. But then there was the whole Monday thing where it was uh, he told me on I don't know, was it Friday or was it Saturday. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, it's, it's weird because now the story's changed again. And I think it's just another one of those things that has been mishandled. And that's why it's blown up the way it has. So I, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's a lot of it is, you know, trying to protect his player i think a lot of it is just trying to downplay it as much as possible and not make it a big thing because i mean at the end of the day todd bowles is he has kept this locker room together he has you know through some really bad times this year and even sometimes last year where where things were going wrong so i i think his players are probably respect that about him and i think he's probably trying to make sure in any way he can you know this like downplay this and let's get this story out of the way but I think he's probably created some more problems because yeah. he maybe didn't have the right answers when he needed them. Uh, we have a lot more videos to get to. Probably won't play every single one, but I'll make sure it's on our uh, on Pewter Reports YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, this last one I'll play is kind of Bowles talking about potentially subbing in KJ and Devin White. Was that even a conversation he had with Devin and uh, what Devin's status is for this this week we saw Devin White run out onto the field today um how is his foot doing he's full go gotcha and did you at any point approach him about taking a, a different role on this team as far as like as a rotational player no when we, when we talked about it we talked about how he would play and how his foot would come back and then we go from there captain on this team yes he is you mean the, the foot injury was going to cause you to rotate him rather than play full-time? Is that, is that what you're saying? Okay, they have played great, so we're going to play him and rotate him anyway with him playing. But we have enough things where he can play, and then we want to see him at full health, and then we kind of go from there. What was his reaction to that? He was fine when we talked about it. He was okay with it? Yeah. He was okay with, with poss- being a rotational guy? He was okay with seeing how his foot wasn't playing him, but he's trying to do everything he can to help us win. We need him to help us win. Uh, we got guys that go down all the time, so we're going to need all hands on deck. The fact that he was going to be rotated? No. When you say he's full go, now, do you expect him to play Sunday business as usual? I expect him to be ready to play, and he'll be ready to play. All right, we'll see if he's uh, going to play. And for Devin, he did say he would be all right with uh, sharing reps with KJ Britt. Whether or not we believe him remains to be seen. Yeah. Oh, that'll be uh, perfectly fine. You know, uh, they're on a three-game winning streak, so that's that's really good because we're trying to fight to get in the playoffs. And you know, I know uh, it'll be something for me to do to help uh, contribute to that. Whether it's 
uh, cheering them on even more. You know, everybody can go watch the Panthers game. I was on the sideline in the rain. Uh, I could have went up to my box and watched the game. I stayed on the sideline to beat up for those guys. Because, I mean, every time somebody come, we come off the field, all the linebackers get together and we talk about what we've seen. You know, uh, if they seen something that I didn't catch because I was in the game, they tell me I was doing the same exact thing for them. And that's just how it's supposed to be, man. You know, the NFL uh, linebackers, we're a brotherhood in, in this group. And, you know, it's led by Tate. You know, he started off and, and we got a great chemistry now. So if that someone like that was to come up, I'm embracing everything. You know, I'll be better, you know. Just go out there and do my thing with my number call. Sorry, Bailey, I cut you off there with the video. <laughs> what, what were you going to say? I was going to say, so the, the injury report did come out, and Devin was a full participant. So full go, expects to be ready to go. It's a full participant on Wednesday. So we'll see as the week goes on. There you have it. Uh, thank you to Dante Mason for this 1999 Super Chat. Appreciate it. It says, I think he was being politically correct, talking about Devin White. Just cut the crap, bruh. You don't look the same on the field, and we can see it. Yeah, he doesn't look the same. Maybe that foot injury has something to do with it. So, Bailey, let me ask you, if, you, if you're Todd Bowles and you got to make the decision at linebacker, um, are you playing Devin White? Are you starting K.J. Britt? Or um, are you kind of going to mix the guys in and, and appease everybody? I'm probably starting KJ Britt just for the continuity's sake. I mean, they've won three games in a row of KJ in there. I know he wasn't really in there for much of the the first one of those wins, but if you if you think about what Devin White can do, I mean, if, if his foot's 100, which we're not even sure, if I mean, he's good to go, full yeah. go, you know, he he could still have some lingering effects of that. But think about the fact that he hasn't played in a few weeks now. So even if he's 100 healthy, still hasn't played in a few weeks, and is he going to be able to jump right back in there and make an impact the way, you know, he, I mean, he wasn't making an impact like that before he was hurt. So, you know, is he going to be able to play at a high level coming off of a few weeks off? I don't, I don't know. And I think it's too big of a risk in a game like this. I think I'd play KJ Britt anyway, if Devin's available and he's, you know, as attitudes, right. Which I mean, according to him, it seems like that's the case with what he's going to, what he's going to do if he wants to rotate with KJ, like I'd, I'd keep him active. I just don't know if I'd start him. Yeah, I, I think – I don't know. I, I feel like if you're going to start K.J. Britt, I don't want Devin White anywhere near, like, the possibility of causing a ruckus. And I guess if he if he's there and he's not in uniform, I guess he can still start uh, a ruckus a little bit. If I were guaranteed that I would get the Devin White that played the first two weeks of the season, then I would say start Devin White. I just don't think that they'll be able to get that – on a consistent basis. So I, I think my answer would be, again, if there wasn't this whole snafu this week, the Bucks could just go under the guise of Devin still hurt. He can't play. And when he's inactive, no one questions it week in and week out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I would go with KJ Britt. Hey, let's, uh, let's talk about Baker Mayfield a little bit. Cause some people sure. are getting tired of the Devin white saga. I completely, including me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Baker Mayfield named offensive player of the week and not to sell him short because he won another award today. He was the Nickelodeon MVP and got that big Nickelodeon trophy for being Nickelodeon's most valuable player. So congrats to Baker Mayfield two awards. Uh, there'll probably be a video later this afternoon of him getting slimed or one of his offensive linemen getting slimed. What do you make of Baker's performance? Uh, and can he continue this moving forward? Because let's focus a little bit on Jacksonville as well. Because that was great what he did against Lambeau. But is it sustainable for the long haul, especially for 
a really, really big game on Sunday, especially with the Saints playing on Thursday, and the Bucs will know kind of where they stand in the division uh, before they meet up with New Orleans the week after. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I, I think the fact that New Orleans plays on Thursday and then Atlanta even plays, you know, they're one game back, so they're still in it. Atlanta plays at 1 o'clock, so right when the Bucs are ready to kick off, they'll know pretty much exactly where they stand. Yep. Um, and as far as can he continue it, I mean, I you like to think so just because of what we saw and some of the things that you saw clicking, especially in the second half of that game. Um, and it, it's kind of a wait-and-see thing, isn't it? Because just a week before that, you know, he wasn't as sharp as probably – maybe the least sharp he's been in a while against Atlanta. You know, they won the game and he had that game winning drive at the end. But um, I, I think you're waiting for Baker and this offense to, to keep stringing those performances together to prove that they've grasped the system. This is the system kind of blossoming. And it wasn't just, we played the Packers and Joe Barry's defense and, you know, we got, we got this 34 point game, but now we're going to revert back to 16, 17 points. Like I, I think all the signs we're seeing is like things are starting to look better in the run game. You know, yes. as long as Baker stays sharp and, and continues to get Chris Godwin involved, maybe you see David Moore a little bit more as uh, the number three wide receiver. Obviously, Mike Evans is always going to do his things. Like, you, I think everything's trending in the right direction. It just kind of depends on can Baker build off of that and be consistent about it? Because he's had some games like that this year. He, I mean, the New Orleans game way back when was yep. a really good game for him. Mm -hmm. Then he had some some clunkers and he hasn't done it at a consistently high level. But when you look at his overall body of work, 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Like, yeah. He's had a solid season and and might be playing his best football at the right time. Yeah, the the numbers highlight um, Baker Mayfield in, in a in a good light in, in a good light for sure. But then if you watch the tape and you watch his games, I think that tells a little bit of a um, of a different story. But he's clearly playing some of the best football that he's had in his NFL career. Uh, let's get to Baker talking about winning this prestigious honor. I'm talking about NFC Offense Player of the Week, not the not the Nickelodeon one. Baker, congrats on winning uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, what does that mean to you to, to win that honor? Um, I mean, it's obviously an extreme honor. You know, half the league gets to play. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that was, like I mentioned after the game, it was one of the best total offensive games we played as a unit. And so, uh, yeah, could have gone to a lot of our guys. It's going to be result-based, so you can't listen to that. You can't let that dictate how you prepare, how you play. So for us, it's we've been in a similar situation, winning three, obviously three and one. We've won three in a row now, but handle it how we need to. Be professionals about it. The singular game mentality can't change. So the approach that we've had the last few weeks needs to be the same. So, um, And that'll get this to the place we want to go, and that just uh, needs to be consistent. I am not trying to downplay what Baker Mayfield did against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. But let me ask you, how much stock do you put into the fact that the Packers, now two weeks in a row, both on the road and at home, have allowed so many yards and so many great stats to opposing quarterbacks that Tommy DeVito, oh, how you doing? <laughs> Tommy DeVito won NFC Offensive Player of the Week last week, and then Baker who's coming off of two performances of a 48% completion percentage, wins it this week. How much stock do you put into that with this offense progressing and, and, and playing better? There's something to that, I think. Um, and I, and I, but I just think he was just kind of on. He was dialed in. And I know a lot of the times the plays were there. Um, and part of that is the Green Bay defense. But I think a lot of it was 
you know, this offense and, and Dave Canales, I think had one of his better games, probably his best game yeah. as an offensive coordinator so far as a play caller. Um, so I think there's a little bit of both and I think that's fair, but I think what's really kind of stuck out to me the last two weeks is the fact that they've made adjustments and then yes. the way that they were playing against Atlanta and, and Atlanta's playing with too high shell. And they came out and talked about it afterwards. They said they were daring us to run the ball. So they ran the ball and they ran through them all the second half and Rashad White had a big day. Chase Edmonds played well. Coming out of this game, we heard them talking about, well, Green Bay's run defense is really bad. Like We knew going in, Green Bay's run defense is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> we were kind of expecting a big, big day on the ground from them, but they even said like they kind of were giving them other stuff, and other stuff opened up for them in the passing game, so they took that, and they took what was there. So these adjustments we've seen over the last two weeks, I think, has been probably the most encouraging part of it because they might have gone into the game with one, one way they think that they are going to do something, and then whatever the game dictates, like, okay, we can shift and we can take – what the defense is giving us. Bailey, uh, before we get you out of here, just tell me something you want to see on both sides of the ball for the Bucs um, on offense and defense, in particular to their matchup um, coming up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I think the big thing, well, obviously the big thing of this game is Trevor Lawrence's health and whether or not he can clear concussion protocol. Um, but defensively, I'd like to see whether he plays or not. I'd like to see the pass rush kind of get get back to to where it needs to be. And I know it hasn't really been the best all year long. I think it's that's been probably one of the more frustrating things um, for for the defense is that, yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr. is playing great. Levante Davis playing great. They've got some good individual performances from Kalaja Kansi, Yaya Diaby, those guys, Vita Vea, of course. But as a unit, they need to be able to get after the quarterback and they need to be able to disrupt that pocket because the secondary isn't playing the greatest. And, and I know there's – been some again some individual plays and some individual performances sometimes from Zion McCollum sometimes from Carlton Davis we'll see about his health we've seen yeah. some of like these individual plays and we've seen okay well that was a great play but then you're also looking at the defense's overall body of work and you're saying it's one of the worst pass defenses in the league and they're not getting after the quarterback enough and so that's that's the big thing on defense for me and for offense I, I'd say probably just hopefully more of the same if you're Baker Mayfield and and just in terms of his sharpness and his decisiveness with those throws that he made against the Packers. He was, he was throwing the ball really, really well. And and the fact that he was distributing it to all these different players was probably, again, one of the more encouraging things because you saw four touchdowns to four different guys. It was Mike Evans. Yep. It was Rashad White. It was Co Keeft and it was David Moore. So, you know, that that's always going to be positive when you have that many threats to, to distribute the ball to. And that's kind of what they talked about with Dave Canales going in, to the year was he wants his quarterback to be a distributor. He wants this to be a quarterback friendly system. And so can Baker Mayfield be that distributor? And he was against green Bay. And that's something I want to see him continue to do as, as the games go on, especially here on Sunday. Well said Bailey. Thank you so much for joining me for the uh, first half of the show. Obviously fellow colleague of mine at PeterReport.com. He'll be in the building for bucks first Jack. So make sure you check out his, uh, his game recap and, and all the content he's got come with uh bailey just real quick plug your social media for for all the people i we don't typically do yeah. this even though we should it's you and, yeah. and adam and, and everyone are on the show often enough yeah at bailey j adams 22 on twitter x whatever you want to call it yeah. um yeah i have tweets during the game from both that account and from the pewter report account um we'll see how this one goes it, it should be exciting christmas eve yeah. Um, you know, the Bucks are going to want to be, I think they're the fact wearing the Bucks red are at home, finally. Yeah, they're wearing red. <laughs> I think the fact that the Bucks are at home on Christmas Eve might be, I think Scott might have mentioned this in one of his, his articles this week, that the fact that they're at home this time around Christmas might be a little bit of an edge just because, you know, last year they were on the road in Arizona on Christmas. True. They won the yeah. game, but the fact that they're, they're home, they're in their own 
own space, their own you know homes the next day. That'll be nice for them. So yeah, maybe they can they can kick off their Christmas holiday with a win and their fourth straight. Yeah, we shall see. Bailey, thank you uh, so much for joining. We're going to bring on Gus Logue in just a moment. First, let's talk about our friends over at Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. They have so many awesome flavors. Check out their Cosmic Vibe, which is the newest one. The Oasis Vibe um, is a newer flavor as well. The Arctic Vibe is my personal favorite. And, of course, you can't go wrong with any of these uh, flavors that you see on the screen. The sparkling orange is great. Sparkling wildberry, the watermelon, uh, strawberry lemonade, I'm a huge fan of as well. There's no sugar. There's no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you may get with another product out there. So if you want to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, head on over to the Celsius store locator on their website, punch in your address, and it will tell you the closest geographical location where you can pick one up at your local Walmart, 7-Eleven, health and fitness store, or if you're lucky enough, your bodega. Once you keep going to your bodega and you know you love Celsius, um, you want to get it in bulk, you can get it in bulk. I'd recommend getting that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Um, you could have it sent to uh, your place of residence. If you go to Amazon and do the subscribe and save, it could be a week, month, quarterly, yearly. Whatever you want, it's up to you. You're the captain. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. Make Celsius your number one pick. All right, moving on further with this uh, Bucks and Jaguars preview episode of the Peter Report podcast. We are very happy to have on the show. He is the site manager and writer for Big Cat Country of SB Nation covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is Gus Logue. Gus, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, can you hear me all right? Yes, sir, I can. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, uh, anytime. I know it's a little bit short notice as well, and you just got back from uh, – from all the media stuff with the Jaguars, which I found very interesting because the Bucks, it's, it's it's earlier in the day. like It's around 12 and, and 1 o'clock. And I'm just curious with every NFL team when their media session is, whether it's early or later. Is that typically when the Jaguars do it, or is it a little bit different because it's the holidays? Yeah, usually they'll have the press conferences in the morning, like late morning, around 10 or 11, and then they'll have practice and open up the locker room on Wednesdays and Thursdays around 3 o'clock. It's pretty consistent. We'll see if anything changes next week. but. This week is uh, yeah. pretty pretty standard. Uh, we've definitely like been like a little jumbled and all over the place though this yeah. season. Just two recent primetime games, Jags media definitely right. isn't really used to that. So there's a little bit of shuffling across the board. But this week, it's kind of business as usual. Cool, interesting. Yeah, because we have practice first, and then we do all the all the media stuff with Bowles and Baker and everything like that. So anyway, I was just curious to see how the other half lives um obviously the big question around the jaguars is what's up with trevor lawrence uh can you tell us the the latest status update for lawrence going into this game against the bucks yeah doug peterson's been pretty hush hush about it all week and he claims that's because he can't really disclose injuries or head injuries but with that said he's always been kind of hush hush about trevor lawrence's availability and if there's one thing about lawrence is that he's able to bounce back from injuries quick uh he had a pretty grotesque looking toe injury last year against Detroit and it seemed like his status was up in the air for the rest of the season and then he ended up coming back the following week and that's happened it feels like multiple times this season this season um in week five he had another kind of gruesome looking injury this time it was a yeah. knee sprain he was still able to come back the following week and it was a short week uh in New Orleans so that was definitely notable and then it just happened again two weeks ago where Lawrence sprained his ankle 
it looks pretty bad. I think everyone in the stadium and even Lawrence himself was thinking at the time, like season's over for both the player and the team. But then not only is he coming back at some point in the season, he comes back the following week. And so concussions are definitely tricky. And we we just saw CJ Stroud miss the game after his concussion. And he's like still questionable to miss even the, what would be the second game back. Um, And so I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Lawrence is held out just because of the way that concussions kind of work. But at the same time, like you can bet that this player is doing everything he can to get back on the field. And I certainly wouldn't be surprised the other way if Lawrence does in fact suit up. Right. Concussions are always such a tricky issue because one, it's a very serious um, injury, of course. And some players are able to come back the next week. Others, it it takes a couple of weeks because not every concussion is the same, but let's go back to that ankle injury a little bit with, with Trevor Lawrence, because everyone saw it. It was on prime time. It was against the Bengals. How surprised were you that he was able to come back the following week? And how different did he look from that ankle injury uh, before he suffered the concussion injury? Right. Well, if you ask me on Sunday night, right after the injury happened or on Monday night against the Bengals, when the injury happened, just based on Lawrence's, human reaction on the field. I thought he was going to be done for the year. Certainly wasn't expecting him to be back the following week. But then once in the morning after, like Schefter reported that it was just a sprained ankle, which is a lot better than, I mean, based on reactions alone, I thought it was Achilles or something super serious like that. And so like really on Tuesday and Wednesday, I was, as soon as I knew it wasn't like a significant injury as what was originally feared, I thought, okay, like, We've seen this before where Lawrence comes back the following week. Um, That's what we ended up seeing. So it didn't really surprise me too much. I was a little bit surprised by how mobile he's been the past two weeks, especially against some pretty good defenses. Like the first game back from the ankle sprain was at Cleveland in poor conditions against the best defense in the league. And he actually did a good job uh, running around and scrambling. He's able to kind of maintain like his straight straightaway speed. And he's not really – doing much like agility wise and making people miss, but that was really never his game on the ground to begin with. Like, he's always been a guy that said like kind of like low key athleticism and can yeah. run away from guys, but won't really do much other than that. So he's actually like looked pretty good on the uh, ground, but I think you can definitely tell like the impact that his injuries have had this season on play calling because he's I, nothing close to a play action, play action merchant or anything like that. But Lawrence is right. definitely significantly better with play action and partly because of his injuries and they don't want him rolling out as much. And then also partly because the ground game has been pretty much non-existent since James Robinson towards Achilles two years ago in Jacksonville, uh, like play action just hasn't really been working that well for the Jaguars as of late. Yeah. And obviously Lawrence is very important to this team, but he's not the whole team. You know, there's obviously a lot of other talent on this team, whether it's Calvin Ridley, who I thought was such an underrated trade at the time because obviously he was suspended and uh you know christian kirk and and zay jones what would you point to outside of like lawrence what what is the strength of this offense what kind of makes it hum when everything is working i would say probably christian kirk is big the biggest like driver of the offense outside of number 16 uh his absence has definitely been noticed in the past two weeks because he was injured also in that Bengals game on the first play of the game for the Jaguars as offense. He unfortunately had a core injury and needed season end, season ending surgery. Yeah. And so he's been kind of like the go-to guy for Lawrence on third downs. 
and under pressure. And like, he's clearly the guy that has the most trust from the quarterback. And so again, his absence has definitely been felt and Evan Ingram has stepped up a little bit in that regard. And he's impressively set Jaguars single season records for receptions by a tight end in each of the two years he's been a Jaguar. So he's definitely been a great player on the field, but at the same time, like he's not really picking up enough of the slack that Kirk left off, which I mean, it's tough. Kirk is, uh, you can kind of debate his contract as much as you want. Maybe he's not worth quite as much as he made, but he's definitely worth a significant amount. Um, but I mean, really, like Lawrence is the big thing. Etienne was kind of the driving force in yeah. the first half of the season, and it was really just him doing a lot of the playmaking. Uh, it's not like he was in one of those situations where the offensive line is really creating a lot of space in front of him. But since the bye week, uh, he's kind of slowed down a little bit and been slightly banged up to the point where he's just like not really making the same plays. So right now the whole offense is just Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And you know, the, the team has lost three in a row. Do you, do you sense that this team is kind of reeling at all because of the Lawrence injury? Um, are our guys still staying together or what's your kind of take on uh, what you've seen in the locker room? From what I've seen in the locker room, I think the team is definitely still sticking together and has confidence and, isn't like really backing down. The Jags have kind of faced adversity plenty of time in Doug Peterson's tenure already. Yeah. And for the most part have bounced back really well. And so this three game losing streak has been weird because you kept waiting for the Jaguars to bounce back and you keep waiting for each game and it never happens, which was especially disappointing considering they played two backup quarterbacks and Jake Browning right. and Flacco, and they both posted 300 yards on the Jags. And then both of those losses, the Jags, uh, offense was actually like performing relatively well, but the defense allowed a lot of y- allowed a lot of yards. And then on Sunday night against Lamar Jackson, the defense actually had a pretty good performance and contained Jackson as well as you could hope. But the offense just did not do their job at all. And so the Jaguars are definitely like looking for a way to play a complete game, but there's still faith in the building that that can happen. And even though it kind of feels like the sky is falling here in Jacksonville, yeah, it, like it, it's not actually falling until they're officially out of the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say because the Bucs at one point, they had started out great. They were 3-1 and one going to their bye. Then they proceeded to lose six of their next seven or six out of their last seven and then went on a three-game winning streak. And now they're in first place again in the NFC South. So sometimes you got to look at, at the big picture and not worry about too much in the moment. You did bring up the Jaguars' defense. I, I do want to get to that side of the football, but I guess one of the last things I want to know about the offense is I look at this matchup and just the Bucks defense in general. Todd Bowles loves to blitz. He will blitz until the cows come home. He's done it great with Antoine Winfield Jr. But in terms of just getting a front four up front pass rush, it's been a little too few and far between for this unit. They've tried to implement Yaya Diaby, who was their rookie uh, third-round pick at outside linebacker. They've made him a starter instead of Joe Tryon Shoyenka. It's helped to a degree, but still they're not getting enough from like Shaq Barrett and Anthony Nelson's uh, you know, a backup edge rusher as well. So I'm curious what you've seen from the Jaguars' off- offensive line, both in pass protection and run blocking, which you've talked about a little bit. Um, is that going to be an advantage for – the Jaguars is going to be a push because the Bucs haven't really been able to get much of a pass rush. How do you see that matchup? Yeah, I think for the passing game, it could be a bit of a push because Jacksonville's offensive line is a better pass blocking unit in general. But then Trevor Lawrence also kind of helps that group out, even when he's injured. Uh, he's definitely one of the best quarterbacks at avoiding pressure and not entirely avoiding pressure, but uh, not letting pressures turn into sacks. He's done a good job of that starting from day one when he was a rookie. 
Um, and so with like the Bucks struggles and then Jacksonville's tackles doing pretty well this season, I think uh, they'll fare, fare, fare fairly well in uh, pass yeah. protection. But in the run game, I definitely have some concerns because it's the interior of the line where Jacksonville really struggles and they just haven't really been able to get good push or like be physical enough off season. Uh, and it really starts with their center, Luke Fortner, who was a third round pick last year. And he, like the rest of the line, has been pretty solid in pass protection. You can't have too many complaints, but it's there's definitely a weakness in uh, the run game. And so it's going to be a scary matchup this week with Vita Vea on the yeah. other side. Uh, Tra- Travis Etienne was just asked about the Bucks defense about an hour ago, and Vea was the first and only name that he mentioned. Oh, no and kidding. Yeah, I think uh, Vea versus Fortner is 100% a matchup to watch on Sunday. Yeah, that's as soon as he said that their weakness is the interior offensive line, I'm like, all right, well, Vita Vey is going to eat up because he's one of the best nose tackles in the league. And Kalijah Cansey, their first-round pick, missed the first uh, first all of training camp, really, in the first month of the season and then really burst on the scene. Has, in my opinion, has done a great job considering the amount of time that he's missed and the impact he's been able to have when he comes in. One last question I have about the offense. Um, if Trevor Lawrence isn't able to go, uh, what can you expect – from C.J. Beathard if he has to step in at quarterback? Uh, he's got a 2-10 and 10 record as a starter. Yeah, I saw that. Most of those starts are in San Francisco, but he did have Kyle Shanahan. So, um, I don't know. It's time. It's kind of tough to set expectations with how many backup quarterbacks have played in the league this year, especially yeah. with how many backup quarterbacks have actually like turned in decent performances. Like, Jacoby Brissett looked pretty good last week. And obviously Jaguars fans know how Joe Flacco and Jake Browning have done yeah. in the past month. Uh, so I think, I think the Jaguars, both the coaching staff and the team, team like player wise uh, have confidence in CJ. And I think the like offense play calling wise and scheme wise really won't change that much with CJ under center versus Trevor, but then obviously the execution and what sure. the product actually looks like is going to end up being different. But I, th- I think CJ is like, an above average backup. So obviously you like your starter to play, but I don't think anyone in Jacksonville should be in like complete panic mode because of who the backup is. All right. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, the Bucks have had a mixed bag of playing against veteran quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, uh, journeyman quarterbacks this season. And uh, there was a time they used to take advantage against the, the rookie quarterbacks in experience, but it hasn't so much been the case with Todd Bowles as much of a defensive mastermind. He has been speaking the defense, about to talk about the Jaguars defense uh, in just a moment with Gus. But first, want to talk about mybookie.ag. If you are going to bet on this game, maybe you want to put a little more scratch on Bucks versus Jaguars. Mybookie.ag is the best place to do it, especially if you're watching with family. Maybe you want to ignore some of the conversations going on and uh, watch, uh, watch the game instead. If you had a $100 bill on the ground and you wouldn't walk past it, you wouldn't walk past it. So don't pass up this chance at easy cash with my bookie. Mybookie.ag has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. So you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Bet on the NFL, college bowl games, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is now. So make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie, use the promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and get a first deposit bonus when you sign up with MyBookie. 
That's free money in your bank account. So even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So that's uh, promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to claim your bonus. Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your home. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. All right, Gus, the uh, the Jaguars defense, obviously from pass rush perspective, um, Josh Allen, already double-digit sacks, seems like the, the leader of that type of group. What is working well for for the Jaguars defense when when they really have it going? I know you said it's kind of been up and down a little bit. They did a good job containing Lamar Jackson, but have struggled in in any in other areas. So, what's your overall outlook of this Jaguars defense? I would say two standout players this year for the Jags have been Josh Allen, who you just mentioned. He's having an incredible contract season, and he's making himself a lot of money. I would expect Jacksonville to tag him in the upcoming offseason before eventually trying to work out a long-term extension. Uh, so I definitely don't think they're going to let him out of the building anytime soon, especially with this season that he's had. He's about a sack away from breaking Jacksonville's single-season franchise sack record. That was set by Calais Campbell, who's I think right there in that picture that you're showing. He said it back in 2017 during the Saxonville era, yeah. and that was actually Josh Allen's uh, rookie season. Actually – I'm sorry, Josh Allen was team the year after in 2018, but he was around for like that era of the Jaguars defense. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he's really stepped it up this season without a lot of help. He's like certainly made a name as a true elite pass rusher. He's also outstanding uh, against the run too. So he's definitely a complete player on the edge. Um, first overall pick, Trayvon Walker from yep. 2022. He's been a good player in the role that he's asked to be in, which is, setting the edge and being a really good run player and kind of like help set up some of his opponents. So he, that's part of the reason that he doesn't really get as much recognition really from national media and is kind of seen as a underwhelming first overall pick. Uh, and so he's, he's still definitely like leaves some meat on the bone in terms of pass rushes on third down and fourth down, but from like a down to down consistency page, uh, he's, he's done his job well. Uh, the interior has been lacking for Jacksonville's defensive line, though, this season. I think defensive tackle is kind of like – defensive tackle and linebackers is like what they built their defense around. But a lot of injuries have happened uh, along the line, especially with Devon Hamilton, who's awarded an extension in the offseason. But then he had kind of a mysterious back injury during the summer mm -hmm. that's probably much more significant than, like, the public could imagine just based on the way the team kind of is handling it. And so he's been – he actually had a pretty good week last week, so it'll be interesting to see how he does this week against the Bucks' offensive line. But for most of the season, he's been kind of a shell of himself. Uh, so the point really being is that Josh Allen has been awesome this year. And he's yeah. even though Trayvon has been good in his role, Josh is really doing it all himself in terms of Jacksonville's pass rush. Does Josh usually stay on one side, or do they, do they move him around a little bit? He's mostly on the right side, so going against left tackles. But if it's like a – much better matchup on the other side, he'll go to the other side. Because Tristan Wirfs is starting yeah. on the left side, all right? Yeah. I would I would imagine that the mass, vast majority of his snaps will be coming against Wirfs. And, like, we've seen uh, – he had a really good day against Laramie Tunsil a couple weeks ago when the Jags faced Houston. Mm -hmm. And then there was another good left tackle that he played pretty well against. So, Jacksonville definitely isn't afraid to kind of go best-on-best best matchup. So, I'd expect him to – it to be, like, Allen versus Wirfs for the most part maybe we'll see him slide over to a different spot on like a couple obvious pass rush situations. 
Um, I mean, sign me up for that. I mean, Tristan Wirth's one of the best offensive tackles in the league. Even moving over to uh, left tackle, I think that's that's a matchup that uh, that everyone's going to enjoy. I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No worries. I think uh, like the lack of moving people around is one of the qualms that people could have about Mike Caldwell's defense. And it's more so an issue with Trayvon Walker, at least in fans' minds, where he was so good uh, lining up in the interior in college at Georgia and so disruptive from like more of the three-tech or five-tech spot than as a true outside linebacker. So it would be nice to see Trayvon, even if he isn't moved full-time inside, to like at least see a little bit more plus matchups. Uh, and then the same thing goes for Josh Allen, but Josh is so good that Again, they're confident in his ability to win, kind of regardless of who's on the other side. Um, the other standout player I was going to mention is cornerback Darius Williams, yeah. who's a Jacksonville native. He signed with the Jags two off seasons ago after winning a Super Bowl with the Rams. And he was viewed as like a pretty good number two corner, but can't really hold up as a number one corner. But he's been a big reason that Jacksonville's defense has really – stayed above water this season because Tyson Campbell, their kind of like up and up and coming star cornerback has been uh, just unhealthy since week five, battling hamstring and quad injuries. And then Andre Cisco, their star free safety, mm-hmm. who was more of like another up and coming star who's putting yeah. together really a pro bowl caliber season in the first month. Uh, he's also been dealing with some minor injuries. And so with those two guys down, You've definitely seen Jacksonville's passing defense regress, but it hasn't regressed as much as you would think, which is in large part to Williams's play. And then uh, Monteric Brown is a young guy, second second year, six round pick, who's been like not excellent, but as much as you can ask for for a second year six rounder who's just exactly. Kind of- yeah, any production you get from a sixth rounder, I think, uh, is a plus. You mentioned Mike uh, Caldwell uh, a minute ago. He obviously has a lot of familiarity in Tampa being a coach on their coaching staff when they won the Super Bowl in 2020. What do you make of the job that he's done since becoming the the Jaguars defensive coordinator? I think he's done a great job, especially this season. I think all the expectations for Jacksonville going into the year is that they could be Super Bowl contenders. And if they were, it would be off the back of their offense led by Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. But instead, and especially in the first two months of the season, when Jacksonville started out eight and three, I believe, uh, they're really writing on the back of their defense. And the reason that no one really expected the defense to be great this season is because they weren't great last season and they didn't really make any moves in the offseason to change the roster at all. And so the whole offseason, the coaches and like general manager was kind of preaching that's the second, this year would be the second year in the system for a lot of players. Yeah. Not just like rookies turning into sophomores, but also like players that signed in Jacksonville last year and are now going into their second year as a Jaguar. And that's actually made like a much bigger difference than anyone could have really anticipated. So I think, I think Caldwell has done a great job because one of the marks of a good coach is doing more with less. And I think that's definitely the case in Jacksonville, especially with, again, the aforementioned injuries with players like Tyson Campbell, Andre Sisco, Devon Hamilton are a really big deal. Yeah. A lot of people were big fans of Mike Caldwell, both, Bucks fans and and players in the locker room working with him. Uh, last question I got about the Jaguars defense, and I do appreciate uh, appreciate your time. When you're looking at the Jaguars defense facing the Bucks offense, what is the matchup that is most intriguing to you? Whether it's player versus player, position group versus position group, what do you think? 
would say Jacksonville's run defense against um, Tampa Bay's rushing offense, and especially in gap schemes. I was reading, forget who wrote it, but something on the Pewter report before uh, this that the Bucks have been transitioning into a little bit more gap schemes with their run game. Yep. And that's helps Rashad White and just the whole offense kind of get going. Um, and Jacksonville has been really good against the run this season, but they've been like elite against zone runs and more middle of the pack oh against runs. Like, I don't know what it is. I think that like maybe against zone runs, their two linebackers, Foya Lucon and Devin Lloyd are just able to kind of like track the ball and go sideline and sideline a little bit easier and they kind of get like lost in the luck, lost in the muck a little bit more often against teams that run power runs. And so I'm interested to see like with the Bucks transitioning to more power in their run game, and then Jacksonville's run defense being a little disappointing recently, especially against gap runs. I'm interested to see whether the Bucks are able to get like a few like into good like manageable third down situations because that would definitely go a long way against Mike Caldwell's defense that loves to send pressure on third downs. Yeah, they when Dave Canales came in as offensive coordinator, they transitioned to a zone blocking scheme and then they weren't getting a ton of production out of it. So they've done a lot more things with like pulling right tackle Luke Etike and like pulling him inside on plays and, oh, and, wow. and things like that. And the biggest thing for the Bucks though and Dave Canales is that they are so committed to running the ball. It does not matter if it doesn't work for three quarters. They will continue to just bludgeon you um, and – for a while, everyone was going crazy about it because the defense or the offense, excuse me, still wasn't getting it done. But over the last three or four weeks, they've really hit their groove running the football and really just utilizing Rashad White as just an offensive weapon and not just a running back because they use him as much in the passing game as they do the running game. He's kind of turning into Alvin Kamara um, a little mm-hmm. bit, I think, is uh, has been super important to this offense. The last thing I got for you, what do you think is going to happen in this game? What's your prediction for who's going to win? I guess you could do Lawrence and without Lawrence, but feel free to go whatever direction. Right. Honestly, I think Andre Cisco is a really big name to watch this week because um, Tyson Campbell is probably a better player in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like Jacksonville's defense kind of takes a bigger step down when Cisco isn't on the field as opposed to Campbell not being on the field. So I would certainly look out for – like whether or not Cisco's plays, especially after Mayfield had a lot of success over the middle of the field last week in Green Bay. It did. Um, and then, like, as of now, I would say, if I had to guess, I would guess that Lawrence will play on Sunday. But either way, I think, like, the injuries that Jacksonville has and then, like, the matchup strengths that um, the Bucks have with Vita Vea and then Rashad White on both sides of the ball, I think the Bucks are well-equipped to win this game and. I keep waiting for a bounce back from the Jags, just like the rest of the city. And mm. certainly wouldn't be a surprise if it happens this week. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like I can't I can't take the Jags again until they show that they know how to win games. That's been Doug Peterson's thing in press conferences the past week is like they have to learn how to win games again. And so when the head coach is saying stuff like that, I'm not super inclined to bet on right. them. And the Bucs have some momentum winning three in a row and a big matchup next week against New Orleans, so it'll help a lot if they can uh, take care of business against the Jaguars. Gus, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Uh, before you get out of here, please just uh, plug anything you need to plug, uh, anything you're doing over at Big Hat Country, and where, of course, they can find you on social media. 
Yeah, I'm all over the place. Uh, at Gus underscore Logue, like you see below, is the best place to find me in general. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. Um, and then if you're interested in a Jaguars YouTube podcast at all, or just Jaguars podcast, I co-host the Jaguar Report with uh, John Shipley. So you can check that out if you got any interest in Jacksonville's collapsing season. <laughs> well, they could still make the playoffs, so definitely uh, very interesting to pay attention to. Gus, thank you so much for joining us. And everyone, make sure you uh, check out his work. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thanks a lot. All right, guys, don't forget, we have the Pewter Game Day show coming up this Sunday on Christmas Eve. I know uh, everyone's going to be with their family, doing different things. Uh, but if you have some time, feel free to check it out. I'll be on for the pregame show along with Josh Capo. That's at 3.05. Remember, this is an afternoon type of uh, type of game. This is a game. This is an afternoon game starting at 4.05. So the live in-game reactions and analysis will be going on at 4.05. I'll be betting on something, so I'll be rooting for my bets, and we'll see what goes on for Bucks versus Jaguars. Can't wait to get into all of that. Um, if you can't wait to buy or sell a home and you want to do it ASAP, it would be a great idea to get in touch with the official realty group of pewterreport.com. That is Eric Rose and the Eric Rose Realty Group. This man loves talking football, and he loves working with his clients. It's not just another number. It's not just another sale. Um, he wants to make sure that he gets the absolute best for the person that he is working with. And buying a home and selling a home are some of the most important things that you will do in your life. And a lot of people go through it. So if you're going to go through it, why not work with somebody that you can get along with? If you want to talk box football, Eric Gross is your guy. If you just want someone that's going to do a great job, Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group of course, are the right people to talk to. They can help you buy a home, sell a home, um, a lot of different options there. But you want a winner, and Eric Gross is a winner. So uh, check out their website, www.housesinfla.com, or uh, give them a call at 513-907-4271. Again, that's 513-907-4271. And again, www.housesinfla.com for Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Realty Group. They are the official realty group of pewterreport.com and the Pewter Report podcast. Before we end the show, saw a super chat in there. And of course, we answer every single super chat. Thank you to Scotty J for this 1999 super chat. Scotty, appreciate you waiting. Awesome that you could uh, do the super chat and really wanted to make sure we got to it. Um, Scotty J says, could we be in the middle of a rebuild and the glaze man and big J are laughing at us, trying to figure out, figure it out. We can build around a top 12 quarterback in the first year within a first year head offensive coordinator and head coach. We are young with a five year number one pick. Well, the Bucks and Jason light in particular have really been able to rebuild or sorry, reload season in and season out. You know, um, they did it when Bruce Arians got here in 2019. They obviously got Tom Brady and Gronk, and that changed a lot of things. And for any of the faults that you want to point to with the Bucks and the roster and some of the players, if you give the same task to a majority of the coaches and GMs around the league when you have the greatest quarterback of all time leave, and how do you pick up the scraps after that? 
I think you'd be hard pressed to find many other organizations that would be able to find as much success as the Bucks have this season. I mean, we are five days from Christmas and the Bucks are tied for first place in the NFC South. And they have a, I was about to say they have a winning record. They don't have a winning record, but they have a seven and seven record. They have been competitive. All right. Like they're not getting smoked week in and week out. Yeah. They lost six to seven, but a lot of those games were close. If they end up winning out or they end up going nine and eight, I think that my hair's going crazy. I think that's, I think that's a win for this team, you know? Um, so as far as reloading, I mean, obviously you want to resign Mike Evans. You got to sign an extension to Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, or resign Antoine Winfield Jr. You got to sign an extension to Tristan Wirfs. But I mean, you look at that offensive line, you got Tristan Wirfs, who is an all pro talent. Luke Edeke was great at right, is great at right tackle, and he's only in his second year, his first year at tackle in the NFL. Cody Mauk is only progressing and getting better, and he's a rookie. And, uh, yeah, so that's three young offensive linemen. You got Stinney at guard if you need it, and they could probably go out and, and draft the center next year. So you're going to have a young core at offensive line. Rashad White's only a second-year player. Chris Godwin has another year on his contract and got better. So, I mean, you're not going to be young in every single spot, but in some of the most important spots, you got young players. So, Listen, Bowles isn't going to get fired if they make the playoffs and win a game. It's just not going to happen. So, would they be better off? Yeah, maybe. But would another coach be able to keep the locker room together the way Todd Bowles has when they lost 6-7? to seven? I don't necessarily know. If I had my choice, I would probably still go with the new coach and an offensive coach. But if this offense balls out again, then Todd Bowles deserves credit for what he did with Dave Canales. So it's a great question. I really appreciate the super chat from Scotty J, and I appreciate all of you guys that have watched today's show. Uh, thanks again to Gus Logue for joining the show and Bailey Adams early on. Um, we're going to have the uh, game day show coming up on Sunday. We got another show coming up tomorrow on Thursday at 4 p.m. I think Josh Capo is going to be joining me, Adam Slavon as well. So, um, in the meantime, uh, Scott wasn't around today. Um, fortunately, uh, suffered a loss in his family. That's really all I'm going to say about it, because if, if he wants to talk about it publicly, he can. But um, just sending my thoughts and prayers out there to Scott um, and his family right now. Definitely thinking of them. Um, we're going to have a show again tomorrow at 4 p.m. going to talk a little bit more about Bucks versus Jaguars and get the latest from the Advent Health Training Center with uh, Dave Canales we get tomorrow. We'll see who's practicing, who's not practicing. We'll go over the injury report and um, all of that fun stuff. But a great episode today, action-packed. Like I said, we're going to do it again tomorrow. So for Bailey Adams, for Gus Logue joining the show, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Peace out.